that sweet aroma I'm bold and beautiful I can hardly wait to taste Early morning Something wonderful Is about to make my day Hey! Give me a good cup of coffee Give me a word that rocks me a whole lot of Jesus and a little caffeine. World waits out the front door. Let it wait just a bit more. Because I need Jesus and a little caffeine. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Jesus and Coffee. Amen. My name is Jay Brooks, and I'm your host for this devotional Bible study. I'm a Christian, a husband, a father, and a grandfather. I love Jesus, and I love coffee, hence the name of this broadcast. I have my Bible open in front of me in a nice hot mug of dark roast coffee, so I have everything I need to start my day. This isn't really about coffee, it's all about Jesus. I just drink coffee while I'm doing it, and I happen to love this song by John Waller. My wife and I met him in August of 2017 at a free concert he gave in a church here in New England. We had a nice conversation and he wasn't trying to get rid of us. He was genuinely interested in getting to know us a little bit. Check out his music and if you have a chance to go see him I highly recommend it. He is a good Christian brother who loves Jesus and loves coffee so that makes him my kind of guy. So let's get things started, shall we? Today, I will once again be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, HCSB. For short, I'm going to read John chapter 19, verses 31 through 41. Okay, let's pray and get into the Word. Almighty God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your Holy Word. Change us with your word, because we desperately need to be changed. Reveal yourself to us from your word, because we desperately need to know you. And speak to us through your word, because we desperately need to hear your voice. Amen. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs, since they saw that he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. Also, another scripture says, they will look at the one they pierced. The word of the Lord. Amen. In the last episode of Jesus and Coffee, Amen, I attempted to explain what it was like to be crucified. There is so much that modern Christians don't understand in the Bible because of our culture. At the time the Gospels were written, people understood all too well what crucifixion was. They understood it because they witnessed it. Crucifixion was common under Roman rule, Josephus, a Jewish historian, tells us that during the Jewish war, there were massive executions. At one point, the Roman general, Titus, was capturing and crucifying 500 Jews a day. This took place approximately 70 AD. I was raised Roman Catholic, 
and I always knew that Jesus was crucified. I went to Catholic school for six years, and Jesus was right there on the wall at the front of the classroom, still nailed to the cross. Crucifixion was never explained, however, and I thought Jesus was unique in that he had been nailed to a cross. I constantly saw this figure with arms outstretched and legs bent at the knees attached to the cross. At one time I wore a crucifix around my neck, but I really had no understanding of what crucifixion was. I didn't know why his arms were stretched out. I didn't know why his knees were bent and his feet nailed to the cross. As I explained in the last episode, those things were done to prolong the agony. In church on Sunday morning, there was a life-size or even bigger-than-life crucifix above the altar for all to see. Jesus was crucified. That's it. No further information available. Crucifixion was never explained, so I, and I'm sure a good many others, had no idea what it meant to be crucified. Crucifixes were so common, they really had no meaning or effect on me at all. When I was born again at the age of 40, I still had no understanding of crucifixion until I read a book titled The Day Christ Died by Jim Bishop. While I was reading that book, I was so overwhelmed by what I was reading, at one point I stopped and said out loud, Oh my God, you died for me. I even wrote a song about it, and my two sons went around singing it all the time. Much of the information I included in the last episode comes from that book. My understanding of crucifixion comes from that book. I was deeply moved by that book, and my understanding of crucifixion was, of course, completely changed. Now I want all those who call themselves Christians to understand what Jesus endured on their behalf. We have a word in English for extreme pain. That word is excruciating. The root of the word excruciating is excruciate. The meaning of this word is to cause great agony. It comes from the Latin ex, meaning out of or from, and cruciate, meaning cross. Thus, out of or from the cross. Crucifixion is such a painful and agonizing death that it was the benchmark for extreme pain. The word we use today compares pain to crucifixion. When we call something excruciating, we are literally saying the pain is like being crucified. The four Roman soldiers who attended the crucifixion knew what they were doing. They were experts, and according to Josephus and other biblical sources, they had plenty of practice. They broke the legs of the other victims to pretend th pre prevent, that's easy for me to say, prevent them from being able to raise themselves up to breathe. These men did not break Jesus' legs because they knew he was dead. But just to make sure, one of them stuck a spear in Jesus' side. This wasn't random. This was a well-rehearsed, deliberate procedure designed to have the exact result described in this gospel. This is something else which is rarely explained. So at one time, I did some research to find out the significance of water and blood flowing from Jesus' side. Now, Jesus lost a lot of blood before he was nailed to the cross. Jesus worked very hard for each and every breath while on the cross. By the time he died, hypovolemic shock would have set in. Hypovolemic shock is a life-threatening condition that results when you lose more than one-fifth of your body's blood supply. This severe fluid loss makes it impossible for the heart to pump a sufficient amount of blood to your body. 
Prior to death, a sustained rapid heartbeat caused by hypovolemic shock causes fluid to gather in the sac around the heart and around the lungs, and then you die. This gathering of fluid in the membrane around the heart is called pericardial effusion, and the fluid gathering around the lungs is called pleural effusion. This explains why after Jesus died and a Roman soldier thrust a spear through his side, piercing both the lungs and the heart, blood and water came from his side. When the guards saw the water and blood, they knew for sure that Jesus was dead. They didn't understand the science behind it, but they knew what it meant. John also wants us to know that these things were a fulfillment of Scripture. So in verse 36, he writes, For these things happened so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Psalm 34.20 says he protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Also, since Jesus is the Lamb of God, and this all happened during the Passover celebration, I want to point out that both Exodus 12.46 and Numbers 9.12 say not to break any bones of the Passover lamb. The other fulfillment of Scripture is in verse 37, where John writes, Also, another Scripture says they will look at the one they pierced. Zechariah 12, 8-10 through 10 says, On that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that on that day the one who is weakest among them will be like David on that day, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. On that day, the one who is weakest among them will be like David. David was the great king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. On that day, Jesus dying on the cross was the weakest among them. Jesus was more powerful in that moment than he ever was. He was more powerful than David ever was. Jesus was destroying sin and death. Now that's real power. Yet he was the weakest one. Jesus was after the heart of the Father as David was after the heart of God. And he displayed it in his obedience unto the death on the cross. On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that come against Israel. Jesus destroyed every nation and every other enemy of his people on that day. As he said just before he died, it is finished. The work was done. They were all destroyed. They just didn't know it yet. The gates of heaven were opened to all who believe. Our enemies were destroyed and that the worst they can do is kill us. And all that will do is send us to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the people of Jerusalem. On that day, justice and mercy met and grace was poured out on the world. They will look at me whom they pierced and mourn as all of us who know and believe in the Lord Jesus surely do. We look at him and we mourn our own part in causing his great suffering, yet we rejoice over the grace he has poured out on us, and we pray for his soon return. Thank you for listening to Jesus and Coffee Amen, and may God richly bless you.